0: So, welcome to the first ever Seattle Presbytery podcast, or as we're calling, Sea Press podcast. (laughs) Um, I'm Eliana Maxim, and with me are
1: Uh, Scott Lumsden, uh, co EP with Eliana, and
2: Tally Hairston. Uh, I direct the organizing, advocacy, and development.
0: That's right. Um, We are coming to you uh, during the height of um, the COVID-19 virus crisis of 2020, uh, which um, has been pretty overwhelming and and in many cases um, just frightening for many of our congregations. Um, But I have to say at the outset that the three of us have been talking about doing a podcast.
1: We have. It's yeah. been in the planning for a while, and this, uh, this forced our hand uh, to get it out, even though we're over uh, doing it over Zoom.
0: Right. I have a feeling that, um, like many other things in the church, um, we needed a good kick in the pants to get moving. So I'm <laughs> sure we're not alone.
2: Yeah, yeah, as if we're podcast experts, but that's another story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Well, we're coming to you um, with this podcast because we thought it would be a good idea to um, find another way to stay connected to all of our churches and our minister members and our ruling elders and our congregants in the Seattle Presbytery, um, give you an update of what's going on in the Presbytery, um, as well as denominationally, if possible, um, and talk a little bit about looking ahead past um, the immediate um, moment that we have right now of social distancing and, and um, volunteer isolation. Um, so with that in mind, I, I wanted to, to ask you, Scott and Tally, um, about something we've, been, we've done over the last three days is that we scheduled um, conversations over Zoom with minister members, pastors of our congregations as well as chaplains um, serving in a variety of settings uh, throughout the Seattle Presbytery. We um, heard a lot um, from them. And um, what's something that struck you from the conversations um, that has made you um, maybe sit up and notice a little bit?
1: Uh, Well, I'll jump in. Um, I think how quickly our pastors and sessions have adapted uh, of course it it varies uh by context, um, but I think by and large uh our pastors and uh, sessions have taken some pretty quick steps to uh reach out to their congregation and um and in to some degree their communities as well um to, to find some connection in the midst of this uh, new uh, strange world we're in uh, where essentially we went from a week ago uh, being in the office together and and having some distance in the office but yet still being able to uh, talk to each other to essentially now just uh, lining up Zoom calls and um, and trying to talk to each other and keep some things going and I think um, like our pastors, uh, you know, there's been a, uh, some, the learning curve maybe has been a little steep, but people are trying to contextualize, um, worship and community, um, uh, connection, uh, yeah. you know, on the fly, uh, together. And, uh, it was encouraging to hear a lot of, uh, how people are thinking about that in the context of their own community. Not every, um, it's not the same approach in every congregation.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I posted, we, we, on social media that it's like we, we ended up in a Netflix movie and, uh, can't wake up and, uh, stop the movie. But much of what, uh, we're, we are hearing and experiencing, uh, not just from our own folks, but across, um, the faith community is that uh, there's a lot to figure out, um, that we're trying to figure it out as we go along. Uh, for some, they've, they've already figured out and have had some previous experiences with different um, ways of being the church. And so they're probably more prepared for some some things. For instance, some churches, Previously um, had their service online, so this is not a big shift for them. Or mm-hmm. churches that were already involved in the community, and so they're they're already pre-positioned to respond to challenges in the neighborhood and um, and relationships with the city that they've already had beforehand. And and so as this situation pops up, it's it's um, a reality for some where they. Um, are experiencing needing to do things that they haven't done before and for some taking advantage of opportunities of pre-positioned relationships or ministries that they're now um, finding are even more important going forward. Okay. Are there things, Eliana, that came to your mind?
0: Well, you know, the, the thing that struck me um, from the conversation with, with our congregational pastors was between um, grief. Um, there, there's a, a significant amount of grief of not being together physically, um, of being able to experience church as we've always experienced it. Yeah. Uh, primarily through the lens of worship on Sunday morning. But yet, yet the other side of that is I get a sense of um, a certain type of excitement on the part of what could be. Um, and as, And it's a little fearful. I mean, it's kind of scary to experiment and to... Uh, use technology for some of our past- pastors who have not historically done that or or to rethink of how to do church but um, I've really been um, so overwhelmed by the willingness that people have to go there and and realize that um, if this is what the church needs us to be right now this is what we need to be this is what we're going to move to um, as frightening as that might be so um, that, that is something that has really struck me that, that they, pastors are having to hold that tension between mourning what um, was up until about three weeks ago and, um, and then stepping in boldly into, into this newness of what we're doing. Um, for me, that's one thing. The other thing that I was really struck by was um, as congregations begin to look um, beyond the technical things they need to do to, to be church um, is some of the experiences that we're seeing that our chaplains have had to deal with from day one.
2: Yeah, that was important for me too.
0: Very powerful, very powerful. Uh, to actually walk alongside people who are sitting in those spaces of not knowing whether they have COVID-19 or not, that are seriously ill, that are isolated and can't be uh, visited by family um, just so many dimensions to that kind of spiritual care in the time of a national crisis um, which is very sobering and uh, really brought for me home the reality and the seriousness of, of this time that we're in right now
2: yeah yeah that 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 was that was very acute to you know like it was striking, um, people who are putting themselves, continue to put themselves in in um, very desperate places to be um, salt and light and to, to be really just, uh, um, to do the ministry in just profound ways right now. It's just, yeah, that was striking.
0: It does, um, I think it, it leads me to, um another thing I wanted us to to kind of look at as well um, is as our congregations figure out what they're going to do on Sunday morning and during the week and all that, um, you need to start moving in a different direction, start taking into consideration other things about being church. Do either of you have some insights onto some of those things and what they, they may be and how we can begin to engage with them?
1: Yeah, Scott's got this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, picking up on the conversation we had with uh, chaplains, I think as our, our pastors start to think about um, a couple things, um, their community and making some meaningful connections uh, with uh, the people that they serve. And then also um, how... <laughs> how in a time where we actually are not encouraged to go out and uh make physical connections with um our neighbors and our communities how do we find ways as as the church to serve the needs of not just our own congregations but also the community um i just i i uh, I, I think that's one of the uh reasons we need to kind of keep talking together as uh as pastors in the presbyterian and leaders in the presbytery because the i don't know that we've ever navigated something that complicated um the the lack of the lack of connection and kind of being able to build it um as you go yeah will make this i think uh challenging
2: yeah i mean i think it, scott you make a good point because i think. That it does, um, you know, there's a certain sense of fragility that the church is experiencing right now. Um, What do we do if we can't do communion? I mean, wow, right? The gathering of the church is so important. And I think the people, the value that we hold may just increase through this. Like, how much more we value coming together uh being in this space now where we can't come together um physically and you know just theologically the the body of the lord and the church being the body of christ um and coming together with its connected parts and pieces uh and and feeling like now we're having to do that in ways we've never done before you know one of the things i'm wondering is if this just sends our gratefulness of of what it means to be together in ways that we probably may have taken for granted because we could just go to church when we felt like it or gather when we wanted to. So.
0: I I think it's been interesting also I've spent, um, as as I'm sure both of you have as well on the phone a lot with, um, different folks throughout the Presbytery. And, um, it's interesting that the majority of the calls that I've had are, um, leaders in churches looking for ways that the presbytery can come alongside and partner with them to help what's happening in their communities and not necessarily their congregations but their communities and i've been bowled over um they've been um creative ways um they've been um Things not that they're creating or, or coming up with, but things that they see that's happening to help their communities and they want to be a part of it. Um, there's a real, I, I see this opportunity for some of our churches who may not have been as tuned in to what was happening around them, now in their isolation, recognizing the need to be connected more than ever before. And I think that may be a gift.
2: yeah yeah yeah. it may be uh, you know um you know scott we've talked about this in the past over the last few months really just how um our connectedness internally can also be experienced externally that we could connect communities and neighborhoods we could really be um as congregations right as as a body we could help be the connective tissue for not just the people of God who come on Sunday, but for our neighborhoods and communities that are also looking for belonging
1: and connectedness. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Absolutely. I think for me, this this kind of brings home the um, the the fullness of our communities and how and how our communities themselves need, need everyone. And I think this is an area in which, if a church has not been as engaged in its kind of local uh, uh, community, uh, I think there's always been an open door for the faith community to uh, um, to work with the larger community. But I think even now, um, in this this time of of kind of radical disconnection. Um, there is, our, our communities need everyone and, and the faith community is a part of that. And uh, I think they've, they've always wanted that participation. Uh, now finding ways um, and out of necessity for us to um, live into that. I, I think there's, the opportunity is great I, I, one thing you said, Tally, that, uh, that's been going around the internet just a little bit, that I, I'd love to hear, uh, Eliana and Tally, what you think of this. There are some, I've heard some people say that, uh-oh, now if we're not getting together, our, congr- our, our congregation members are going to like staying home on Sunday. And the church is going to be kind of meaningless to them. And I, with you, Telly, I've kind of taken the opposite uh, view. That yeah, this is a moment in which people see the value of this. There, there's a lot of um, there was a lot of isolation before, but but there's going to be. Um, this is this is a traumatic experience for our, our nation. And I think people are going to be asking some very fundamental questions about life and death and friendship and hope and uh, their future. That, um, you know, I, I, I think the church has something to say about, about that.
2: Yeah, what do you I, think, Liana?
0: So I was just thinking, um, gosh, I think there's going to be a very, and this is just me pronosticating, You know how I make decrees? I also prognosticate sometimes. (laughs) You prognosticate,
2: yeah. Um, Yeah. Um,
0: But I I look at when we do get back together, because we will, this will pass and we will once again resume. I think people's expectations of their faith communities is going to be different. Mm -hmm. I think the question is going to be, where were you when coronavirus was going around the nation? What were you doing to help my community? Um, How were we relevant in a moment of a pandemic? My sense is that there will be a different expectation from people regarding their churches. And so what an opportunity for all of our churches at this time to say, in this difficult moment, in this crisis, this is who we are. This is what we really are made of. Um, and I think that will draw people back into community because it will be relevant, it will be important it, it it's significant, um, and it will have embodied really what for so long we've been worshiping the Christ, and that will be the embodiment of the gospel
2: yeah i mean I, i'm I'm not a prognosticator though I am the son of a prophet. Um <laughs> the uh <laughs> the um you know it's interesting because I wonder if um if this becomes a new reality that in the United States will now have to be more like our global brothers and sisters, our global siblings in the world who deal with um infectious diseases on a on a on a more regular basis, if you will. Uh, I wonder if our social relationships uh, will will change um, significantly and really challenge um, how we see the other um, and how we relate to the other and really begin to um, create uh, a kind of a different, what I call spiritual formation, right? A different discipleship. Um, and that's, it's possible that we could become so individually oriented now because to relate to others is so dangerous. And, and for, for certain communities around um, not just the United States, but the world of more collective communities, communities that really uh, are communal and how they understand the world. Uh, my, probably my fear is that Uh, congregations will become individualized all the more because it's safer. And that there will be those of us who, who go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like long for the connective tissue that is the body of Christ. Long for that to be in the community broadly. Long to be a part of that, even though it's more dangerous, right? Even though it may create a need for Washing your hands even more or <laughs> wearing mask in public or making sure that when you're together, you're three feet or six feet apart, but still be together, right? Mm-hmm. Now I hear that text a lot differently when the scripture says to try to avoid um, um, being separate from one another, right? Be, be in fellowship with one another, right? Now I see why that may have been more risky to say in those days Um, because to say today, be together, uh, going forward, may be more risky.
0: I wonder though, um, Tally. I mean, is your experience that in the global south, especially, um, where there's still such a a concern around infectious diseases, um, people stay away from each other because of that, of that threat? And, and isn't there a possibility that the Western North American uh, society could go, maybe could follow the global South in that regard?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, you know, just like I do that the global South um, culturally is more of a collective community. Uh-huh. And thinking about um, familia and the network and the society and the neighborhood are kind of are built into the community. Here we've taken more of an individual approach where um, many times, our grandparents are not a part of our lives. They're on the other side. They're in Florida vacationing or at their, um, at their retirement home in another part of, of the country. This may actually create for us um, a need to understand the value of community and the risk that it takes to be community um, and where, where the safer route is to be individual to stay hidden away in our homes, Um, that's safer. But yet we're called by scripture to be the body, to be together, um, to find ways to fellowship. Um, Even even if that means that the fellowship for a time is virtual (laughs) (laughs) or by phone um, or six feet away. But but now I, I would say following the Global South, find a way to be community. I mean in certain countries in the Middle East to be together in the church building is a is a threat to the political structure. And the church may in America may have to follow suit to find a way to be together is to challenge political space, to challenge cultural norms, to challenge what people call public health norms. Yeah, I know it's dangerous to say that, but it's right.
0: Scary. <laughs> as we as we um, consider um, those bigger ticket items, I, I'm also cognizant of some of the more mundane day- to day concerns that our churches have. Um, I'm wondering if we can um, offer up to those that are listening in what are some resources or avenues that we as staff are pursuing to provide support for our congregations.
1: I'll just share some things off the top of my head about uh that came out of the pastor uh conversations and um other things that I've been following nationally. Um one is the obvious the financial uh challenge of of this time and everybody's looking at at those things. Um we're looking at them as well um we're going to be figuring out ways that we can uh if there are some ways that we can support our our churches um through this time um there also was a uh, a letter that just went out um, from the BOP the board of pensions um, that encouraged any uh, church that's having a hard time with its uh, uh pension payments or its uh you know, obligations there to call them. And uh, the Board of Pensions has already said that they're gonna do this on a case-by-case basis and try to help churches that are uh, uh, struggling and need some uh, help. Um, Those are some things that come to mind um, right off the, uh, there's also been some questions uh, related to finances about building use. Um, I think, the latest decisions by uh, King County have, or, or the state actually have made any group gathering at a church uh, kind of, if, if not complicated, impossible. Um, and if it's not the congregation that primarily uses the space on Sunday, it's sometimes some ancillary use by uh, community groups or AA groups. Um, I think the best advice on that has been that, uh, you know, unfortunately um, there are some challenges in in keeping that open. Um, And so churches are going to have to look at that, whether or not they just need to actually close their building for a time. Um, The issue related to that is um, again, just the infectiousness of this particular disease and the fact that you may not be able to clean that space. Um, In fact, you know uh cleaning services are stretched beyond their capability now so um, unless somebody from the congregation is doing that and then they're putting themselves in jeopardy so um there's some you know tough questions that sessions have to ask um ej's been great in putting up um, all sorts of resources on our website and so i just want to commend That to everybody who might be listening and want to know some things about the details of, um, you know, both the online worship and some of the questions about building use. Um, I'm happy to do my best. Um, We we do have some legal resources that we can draw on, but a lot of that stuff's already on the website. So uh, I'd check that one first. Um, Those are the things that come to mind off the top of my head right now. Um, Tally, uh, Eliana, do you have others?
0: Well, I I just want to reiterate that we are in conversation um, not only with each other, but with um, the rest of the leadership of the Presbytery. And we'll be getting together uh, very soon via Zoom with our executive board. Uh, We want to come up with ways to provide some uh, financial relief for uh, churches that may be struggling during this time. Of, of, uh, of this crisis. Um, and also I know in the next couple of days there are several uh, significant conversations happening denominationally to take a look at how um, the denomination can provide some financial relief. Uh, there are a lot of different ideas being kicked around uh, such as uh, suspending the collection of per capita for a, a period of time. Uh, to forgiving, um, interests on certain loans, um, just a lot of different things. So, um, a good reminder that as a connectional church, we're all in this together. Um, and, um, we really do want to be able to resource all of our congregations to the best of our ability for whatever circumstances that they're dealing with at this time.
2: Yeah, that's great. I don't, I don't have much to add to that, that's for sure.
0: Um, I think, um, as we move forward, um, our hope is that we can continue these conversations um, around this podcast. Our intention with this podcast originally had been um, to highlight 10 conversations every congregation should be having. Um, little did we know that the first one would be around the issues of a pandemic uh, contagion. So um, see, surprises around the corner all the time. Um, but our, our hope is that we will be able to, to continue doing this. And we will be bringing guests to talk about issues that we think are important to the church today.
2: Amen. Yeah. And and besides that, we'll all get a chance to catch up on our Netflix movie. So
0: that's true. Which leads me to my final question to both of you.
2: No, you got to answer this one.
0: Okay. But first you, (laughs) um, Tell me one thing that you've done for yourself to take care of yourself, to bring you a little bit of respite in the last, uh, let's see, how long have we been working work? The last 12
2: hours. Oh, that's an easy one for me. Um,
0: and it can't be what you have in that cup there next week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's an easy one for me. So uh, yesterday, uh, uh, as my beautiful wife was was home as well, uh, we were out picking up a microphone for the church uh, for podcasting and everything else. And we stopped and got for the very first time—don't hate on us—Chick Fil A. Oh my! We had Chick Fil A for dinner for the very first time in our lives.
0: <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm so not even going to go there.
2: Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, well, that that obviously doesn't compare to the arepas we had on Saturday night, which was the way we took care of ourselves. But we figured we've never done Chick-fil-A. Let's try it. Let's join the craziness that is the line. Do, that do movie- not
0: try to butter me up with arepas after you said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a
1: tough one. Right? <laughs> uh, right? Was it good? Was it worth it? Um, Um, I'm putting you in a tough spot if we say (laughs) I won't be doing that
2: again (laughs) yeah that was a once in a lifetime thing for me okay
0: fine yeah how about you Scott
1: well uh I think you know me I uh I have made it a point every day to get out and do as many miles as I can it's just uh my head needs it, and my legs need it, and my heart needs it, so that's what I do. So I did eight miles the other day. Um, wow! <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, you just start walking and you just don't stop, that's, that's what I do. But I'll put on some music or a book, and, and so, you know, instead of just sitting around, listening to a book or reading a book, you know, I can get a, get a few miles. Did you
0: get into a different county or something? Did you make it to a different state? <laughs> But, I mean, yeah, I was
1: in Kitsap County for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> getting across the water was hard, but it was it was fun. <laughs> <Jeez>.
0: <laughs> All right, teach his own.
2: Yeah. yeah. How about you? <laughs> you? yeah. Uh,
0: you know the what really brought me a lot of joy today, and I even posted on social media. Was I gave my seven month old granddaughter blackberries for lunch? Yes. And um, she made a beautiful mess, and there was so much joy on her face as mm. she savored mm. that really those ripe berries. Mm. Um, it just reminded me all about the small joys of life. And um, I certainly needed that uh, boost today. So that was really oh, That's
2: awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. It's the little things, like you said, the mundane, but they're yeah. very important when you're stuck. I suppose it's
0: the Chick-fil-A's of life.
2: Yes, the Chick-fil-A moments of life. (laughs) Yeah, though eight miles is a little bit out of my range. Um, Yeah, yeah. about
0: seven and a half, more than I can. Right. But, um, well, guys, I just want to, as always, thank you for for being my friends and my colleagues, and it's always good to talk to both of you. Back at you. And, um, We'll just we'll just keep on keeping on. Want to remind everyone, um, reach out. We are um, not in the office, obviously, working from our from our homes, but um, ready to answer text, phone messages, emails, Zoom. We're getting real good at Zoom. Yeah. Um, and please do keep an eye on our website. Um, EJ is doing a phenomenal job of keeping that updated and uh, passing along information both from within our denomination, local sources, as well as our uh, partner uh, faith communities that are developing some great resources as well. So good talking to you guys and uh, keep in touch.
1: Good talking to you. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Bye.
1: Bye Bye-bye.